0: I'm going to read the first three verses again this morning. I have a couple of comments that I wanted to make, and then we'll move on to verse 4. But Acts chapter 2, verse 1. and says, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And we talked a lot about the power of God last week, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, one and the same. Um, but a couple, just a couple of comments I wanted to make before we move on to verse 4. And I thought again this morning as I was kind of going through my notes that uh, when, we, when we read this, that this is such a, if we stop and think about it for a while, it was a unique time. And I made that comment last week, I know. But I mean, just to think about the power, the mighty power that God has. And you know, I'm thankful that His power, His power has not diminished one bit this morning. He's just as powerful this morning as He was back here on the day of Pentecost. And I'm glad for that this morning. He's just as much in control as He was back then. He's just as much in control today. And uh, I tell you, He's a mighty God that we serve. I didn't know I was going to say all this this morning, but... uh, He's good to us, I tell you, and we need to praise Him and we need, to, we need to appreciate the fact that He called us into His family one day, I tell you. I need to appreciate that fact more, but I just thought this morning what a what a wonderful thing it is to know that the Holy Spirit is living within each and every one of us as believers and we've got someone in us, somebody that cares about us and helps us, strengthens us, guides us, directs us, understands us like nobody else does you know I mean there's a lot of things that I can share with my friends and you all but you know what there's things that nobody understands other than him but he understands and he knows and uh, I'm glad for that this morning and uh, as we uh, we think about that I thought about you know how like I said he has power and, and he hadn't changed any and I thought back 20 some years ago I went to an altar one night, and I knelt down, and I got saved, and I asked Christ into my heart, and you know what? He hadn't changed a bit. Let me tell you what that power did for me. That power, he saved me right then and there. He changed my life. He changed my direction. He changed my desires. Most of all, he changed my eternity, and uh, you know, but he changes us. He gives us another way to live, a better way to live, a much better way to live, the, the best way to live, and um you know, there's nothing in the universe. This is the thing I was thinking about this morning. There's nothing in the universe that has more power than the power of God. Nothing. Nothing. And the power, when we think about the power of the Holy Spirit, when we, when we think about his saving power, there's nothing that has that kind of power other than the Holy Spirit. Nothing. So, uh, the body, when we think about us as believers this morning, I'm going somewhere with this. you all probably wondering where. But when we think about this, we need to, you know, a couple of verses I just want to share. 1 John 3, 24. Both of them are in 1 John, actually. 1 John three twenty four. First 1 John 3, 24 says this, And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. You know, it's all about his spirit. I mean, it really is. Our walk, once we're saved, I believe it's all about it's about obeying the Spirit of God that's in us. That's what our that's what our life. That's what He's called us to do. He's called us to to be guided by Him. And He'd gone on over in uh, chapter four, first John verse thirteen says, "Hereby know we that we dwell in Him and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit." I mean, I tell you, it's a it's a special gift that only. God Almighty can give nobody else can give us that that gift, and um, it's special and you think about this, you think about the body of Christ, the body of believers, the family of God here on this earth, us going through life every day, and I thought about the people that were present here on the day of Pentecost and those that were Not I mean, we had a group of people, the apostles and the disciples, okay? We had that group. But then we had, and we're going to talk about this in a little bit, hopefully, but there were, I don't know how many other people were there. I mean, hundreds, maybe thousands, probably thousands. And a lot of them weren't believers. But yet on that day, they saw something. And if you remember, we were talking about last week, two ways the Holy Spirit came. It came visually, and it came by sound. And I thought, you know, that's how those people knew that something was going on that day. They saw something happening, and they heard something happening. And I'm sure eventually they felt something happening too. But at first, those that were lost, I'm talking about those that were lost without Christ, they knew something was going on because they could see it and they could hear it. And I thought, for us as believers, you know, he didn't call me, and I didn't understand all this when I first got saved. None of us do. But he didn't call me and get to get set. he didn't he didn't call me to salvation or invite me to salvation for me to sit at my house in my basement and never do anything for him, never witness for him, never talk about him, never do anything for him. And I thought, how that he's called us to serve him because he's called us into his family, and as part of his family, his family is all about him. <laughs> his family is all about him, and. When we think about the people around us, whether it's our family members, our neighbors, co-workers, whatever, you know, there's a couple of things they need to see in us. They need to see, just like these folks did on the day of Pentecost, they need to see the Holy Spirit in us, and they need to hear the Holy Spirit coming out of us. That's just, that's just my thought, but and you say, well, how do we do that? Well, to me, visually, they need to see us live what we profess. They need to see us living. I mean, what we do, where we go, who we're with, people are looking. They need to see that. I mean, because that's one way that they're going to be able to understand whether or not there's something different about us. The other thing is, is hearing what we say, how we act, how we conduct ourselves every day. I mean, our witness is important to people that are lost. I mean, and, and like I said, our service is important to people that are lost because What's the Bible say if, if uh, I'm losing the words now, but basically if, if, our, if our salvation's hidden, it's, it's hidden from those who are lost. That's paraphrasing. But. So that's what I thought about, about this, this, on this day of Pentecost. Yeah, it happened. It was once in a lifetime event, one-time event. But you know, that same Holy Spirit is what's dwelling in us today. And His purpose hasn't changed. His purpose was to begin the church on that day. His purpose today is to grow the church. I mean, so, among other things. So. Right, yep. All right. Let's go to verse 4. In verse 4, it says, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So, you know, I think sometimes when, and this is just my thought, I could be wrong, but I think sometimes when these verses are read and maybe folks look at them and maybe have heard of them or maybe, again, just read them, maybe they have a, I don't know, a sense of, uh, of confusion or something around this. But I think the first thing we need to understand here when we look at verse 4 is we need to know and believe and understand that God Almighty is one important thing. And he is the God of order, okay, the God of order. And we need to keep that in mind as we look down through here because like in every, in every part, many, many, I won't say every part, but many documentations within the Bible, we see that there's always those that doubt. And we see the same thing down here in verse 13 where it says, others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. So there was doubters there, okay, as well as those that chose to believe what was going on. But God is the God of order. And you say, well, what's that mean? When you think about order, it's God's methodical arrangement of all things. I mean, this is just my definition, okay, kind of piecemealing between what Webster said and kind of what I'm thinking. God's methodical arrangement of all things, God's pure, natural arrangement of all things. I mean, everything that he does is arranged perfectly. Everything that he made was made perfect. Everything that he puts in order is perfect you know, you think, well, you know, what about, what about the life that we're living in right now? What about all these things that are going on in my life or, or your life or whoever's life? And you say, how can, how can all that be good? The thing i got to remind myself is God is perfect, and God is He knows exactly what He's doing, and He's got a purpose for everything. He's got a purpose for everything, but His order is perfect. So, like I said, everything in my life, everything in your life, everything in this world and universe exists and is existing according to God's order. No matter what we think or what what our thoughts are, it doesn't matter. All the things that are going on, God is orchestrating everything that's going on. Everything that's going on in Israel right now, everything that's going on in every part of the world, the Ukraine, here in the U.S., all the craziness, everything. Anything that you look at, you say, why? It's not for us to ask why. It's for us to understand that God is moving. That God is, is doing these things and He has a purpose in it. And it, it's all according to His order. So when we think about that, His order, His plan, His purpose, His power, none of that, it doesn't change. You know, His His order doesn't change just because I don't like how things are going in my life. I don't have the I don't have the right to ask Him or to request Him to change. I don't have that right because number one, I don't have that knowledge. Because I don't understand, he's much higher than I am. So, the word of God, he's given to us, this book that we look at every Sunday morning, it's a book of order. I mean, it's a book of order. I mean, overall, it's a book of order. It's his word, but it's a book of order. And we can see God's order. When we look at chapter 1 here in Acts, chapter 1, we can see God's order. If you go back and and, and read through that, I'm not going to go through and read it. But you can see there was an order to the things that, what, what was going on by in, in chapter 1, what Christ told the apostles and the disciples to do, there was order there. Because there was a process that needed to be followed. And um, we can see it in chapter 1 and we're going to continue to see it. We see it again here in the first four verses of chapter 2. We see God's order. And verse 4 tells us, says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And, you know, when it says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, my thought is, as far as the Spirit goes, that's the apostles and the disciples. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not talking about when the fire fell on the tongues. I think that only fell on the, on the, on the apostles, but now I could be wrong. We can, that's neither here nor there. We'll just move on. But, um, so, but the thing is, in order for a person to be filled with the Holy Ghost, there's got to be something that's got to happen before that. What's got to happen before that? They got to be saved, right? They got to acknowledge that they need Christ, that that Christ is who he says he is, right? So there's an order there. They have to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is God's only son and ask Jesus to forgive them. So, kind of, let me kind of walk through here. When we look, this was a unique time, okay? And, And I'm not saying that these things happened sequentially in order because when the holy spirit moves it just happens, right? We all understand that. But there is an order that happens and there is a list of things, a handful of things that happen when the holy spirit comes into a person's life. And that's kind of what I want to talk about because we can't be filled with the holy spirit until we're first saved. Okay? We got to be saved, okay? I mean that's a that's a requirement. So God can't fill somebody who doesn 't believe that Jesus Christ is his son right agreed i mean i don't know if I'm saying something wrong y'all, y'all tell me but so when we think about that um, number one there's got to be an acknowledgement number one there's got to be an acknowledgement of the fact that Christ is the Son of God, and there's a regeneration we've got to be you know what's regeneration mean we've got to be born again we've got to get a new life we 've got to be given a new life we've got to be renewed and If you uh, turn back to John chapter 3, find it here. John chapter 3, verse 5, familiar verse, very familiar. Jesus said here in verse 5 of, of John chapter 3, Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of what? Of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So you've got to have the spirit. I mean, the spirit has to move in, right? Everybody agrees. So to me, there has to be regeneration. You know, an individual has has one part in all of this, okay? And kind of just hold. don't, don't get too excited when I say that. But there's one part, okay? We don't do anything. I mean, God has full control, right? But there's one part in salvation that we have. What part is that? we got to ask, right? we got to acknowledge that He is who He says He is, and we got to ask. That's our part. And after that, He takes it from there, right? He takes it from there. So, again, acknowledging and asking, and then the Holy Spirit does the rest. And J. Vernon McGee said that he called, from that point forward, he called these the ministries of the Holy Spirit. But there's three things that actually happens. Once we ask Christ to forgive us of our sins, and to save us and come into our heart, there's three things that happen, okay? And I'm not saying, you know, this one happens. They kind of all happen at the same time because He's God and he, he just does things, right? The Holy Spirit moves. So there's regeneration. We're born again. A new life's given to us. The next thing, the Holy Spirit comes in and then dwells into the believer, with the believer, okay? And in Romans... Let me find that. I don't have these marked. Romans 8, verse 9. Romans chapter 8, verse 9 says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. And this is important. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. That means we're not saved. If we don't have the Holy Spirit in us, we're not saved. Okay. Um, that's the second thing. So there's an indwelling, there's a regeneration, there's an indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And then next, the Holy Spirit seals the believer into an eternal relationship with God. Okay? And you say, well, where's that at in the Bible? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14 says, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, listen to this, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. When you say, what's that really mean? What that means is he's... He puts a stamp on us when we accept Him as our Savior. He comes into our heart. He's, we're, we're part of His family. He labels us as part of His family at that point. That, to me, that's what that means. Um, and if you go over a couple of chapters to chapter 4, verse 30, kind of gets back to the earlier comment about once we're saved, we know we're saved because... There's something in us, somebody in us, that tells us when we do right or when we do wrong. And Ephesians 4.30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed under the day of redemption. And I had that word... Where did I put it? that? Grieved, you know, is a pretty strong word. That means to displease, to offend, to provoke, or to cause pain and we're talking about us as a believer against the Holy Spirit, it's it's basically anything that we're doing against God's will, we're grieving the Holy Spirit. And we're not to do that. Or if we make a bad decision, or we make, well, I should say, when we make a decision on our own, 99.9% of the time, that's a bad decision, right? <laughs> so we're grieving the Holy Spirit. If we're not in obedience to Him, we're grieving Him. When we make a mistake, we're grieving the Spirit. So people say... I don't know, I, I don't, people say a lot of things, so I'm just, I'll just let it go at that, I'll just let it go at that, we don't have time for that, but I mean, somebody that says they don't know whether they're saved or not, I feel sorry for them, because you know, you can know, you should know, I mean, because what's Tom say sometimes, somebody as big as God doesn't move in, you don't know it, I mean, that's, I mean, that's the truth, so. That's right. That's right. right. If we don't have Him if we don't have Christ, we don't have anything. So so regenerated, indwelled, sealed, and then the last thing is baptized in the Holy Spirit. Again, I'm not saying these things all happen in this order. I'm just saying all this happens. All these things happen when we ask Christ into our heart, when we're saved. So Acts, going back to Acts, um, if you flip back and we already read it, or not this morning, but we talked about it, Acts chapter 1 verse 5 says, For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. So Christ was telling them what's happened here now that we've gotten to the day of Pentecost was going to happen. So every believer... That comes into the body of Christ enters that way. Okay, there's only one way to come in to the body, and only one way into the family of God, and it's through Jesus Christ. And hang on a second. I think I had another verse I wanted to read you. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. Yeah, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. I mean, that right there tells me, I mean, among other verses in the Bible, that there's one, one son, one special son, one only one begotten son of God, and through him is the way in, and through his spirit is the way in. So, um, so once a person asks Jesus to save them, these, these other changes happen immediately. And you know and you think about today this happened on the day of Pentecost but the way that a person gets saved today does not, has not changed. Same thing happens. Same process. Today a person's got to ask, got to acknowledge, got to ask. And as soon as they do these things happen. So you think sort of there was sort of a timeline though for these before the church came here on the day of Pentecost. You think that these people, these believers, these disciples and apostles, we know that they believed. We knew they'd been with Christ. So it is different. But it's the same power. It's the same spirit. Okay? If that makes Hopefully that makes sense. So um, I to me, when we look back at verses 2 and 3 here in chapter 2, to me, this is where we can see the documented indwelling and baptism of the Holy Spirit to that first body of believers, I think. I think that's what we see there. So, so here, going back to verse four, here in, in chapter two. So it goes on and it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And you know, the filling of the Holy Spirit to me, it has to do with it has to do with service. It has to do with living for the Lord, living, growing in our relationship with Him. If that makes sense, and you know, it's still the same today. Without the filling of the Holy Spirit within us, we can't, we can't serve and labor for, for God. I mean, we can, but we're not going to be doing it for the right purpose. Okay, And what I mean by that is he, when he fills us, he, he, to me, that's how he speaks to our hearts. That's how he gives us guidance and direction. And when he says, here's something you need to be praying about and seeking to do, and here's how I want you to, to serve me, it needs to come from Him, not just something that I've come up with on my own. It needs to come from Him. And it's the Holy Spirit that shows us that. And without the filling of the Holy Spirit, like I said, we can't serve and labor for the Lord as He intends. Okay, It can be done, but it's not going to be as He intends for us to do it. So, to me, when we think about this, this part here, just like we have one part in the work of salvation... To me, in the filling of the Spirit, we've got one part there, too. And that one part is, it's the only work of the Holy Spirit that we can do, that we are, are supposed to do, or can do anything about. Anybody got a comment on that? Okay, then I'll go on. So what I mean by that is, the filling of the Holy Spirit in a believer has to do with God's purpose... I think, has to do with God's purpose being fulfilled in the believer's life. That's what the filling is about. I mean, we get filled, we get saved one time. We either get saved or we're not, okay? And the, But the filling of the Spirit is something that when the Holy Spirit moves, like I said, and, and moves upon us to do things, He's given us, He's equipping us. To me, the filling has, has, has to do with being equipped to do service for Him. So, if y'all disagree, speak up. But, so, this is the one part when it comes to the working of the Holy Spirit in a believer that we, as the person, that we have control over. And you say, well, what do you mean by that? Every one of us has control over this. There's one word. Anybody got an idea what it is? It starts with a Y. Yield. That's it. That's our part. If we don't yield, he can't feel. Okay. I mean, it's, uh, honestly, if we don't yield, he can't feel. So um, and you, what's yield mean? If you look at the word yield, it's real short and sweet, not to oppose. That's pretty straightforward. Isn't it? And, when he, and when he says we're, not supposed to, we're supposed to yield to him, that pretty much means we're not to oppose what he wants to do. So um, to comply with, not to oppose. And, you know, I thought about everybody, all of us, Every day, when we get out of bed, Lord willing, when we get up, we got a choice between physical feeling for the day or spiritual feeling for the day. Would you all agree with me? I mean, it's a choice we make. We make that choice. So, and there's only so much room... Y'all don't make any funny comments when I say this. So, there's only so much room in our minds and in our hearts, okay? But seriously, there's only so much room up here, okay? I can only process so much up here, and I can only take in so much down here. So we've got to exercise control because either the physical or the spiritual is going to control every single day of our life. And when, and when we're talking about being filled, that's what it's talking about here, is giving him, giving him the leeway getting my stuff out of the way. He doesn't mean I can't ever do anything I want to do. That's not what that means. What it means is I need to be taking care of the things he wants me to do first. And if something, and if he deems it, he'll let me do things that I want to do as long as there's not anything bad, okay? So, but we do that. We choose. Nobody chooses for us. He doesn't, he doesn't sit there with an iron hand and tell us, Listen to what I'm telling you to do. You will listen. I mean, he, he could. But does that make sense? I mean, we've got, to, we've got a desire to grow. That's really what it comes down to. When we talk about being filled, we've got a desire to grow. We've got a desire to have that relationship with him. So I thought about how that, you know, we trusted Christ for our salvation. Shouldn't we trust him to direct our lives and to direct our service for him? I mean, we trusted him to save us. So, um, Ephesians five. Let me get this, and I'll quit. Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians chapter five, verse. Let me find my spot here. Seventeen through twenty-one says. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. In the in the fear of God, excuse me. He says in verse 18, that we're to be filled with the Spirit. That's what Paul was telling the Ephesians. That's what he's telling us. And you say, well, what's that mean? I mean, there's character. When you read those next verses there, there's character that you see there. There's a characteristics that we, how we live and, and, and how we act. Like I said earlier, I mean, the joy, courage, spirituality, character, and the filling of the Spirit, What that does, it produces the right attitude, the right character, the right outlook, you know, I mean, that's something we all need these days is the right outlook and the right service in the life of the believer, and that's what it does, so I'll quit there for this morning, but I hope you got something out of it.